The Grass Station Podcast provides weekly updates, tips, product reviews, and coaching on cool season residential lawn programs, helping you save time, effort, and money all season long. Stay tuned. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Grass Station Podcast. My name is Marty, your host, and thanks for joining me for the second episode. So last week, we were talking about the initial steps that you can be taking in your lawn today before you have to spend any money. Well, now I'm looking at it from the next uh, step, what we want to be thinking about, and a lot of things that are buzzing around in the lawn care community right now are discussions about pre-emergence. What are they? When do we put them down? Why do we put them down? Where can I get them? All those things. And we're going to have a discussion about that, but then we're also going to kind of segue into some other things that you can still be doing. It's still pretty early yet. And I want people to be thinking about their strategies as we're going into the season before they're hyper-focused about buying certain products. So uh, we're going to be touching base on that. Throughout this episode, I'm going to be giving just a couple tips that I think are, are really crucial to all of us, no matter what stage you're at with lawn care. Some things that I've learned through my experience that I'm going to hopefully shed some light on here today. First off, you know, thanks for, for checking us out. Now, I really appreciate it. I'm, I'm new to this whole world. I've been doing lawn care for personal, you know, personal lawn care for six plus years and really haven't had an outlet to be able to get this information out to anybody before. So this is really a great way for me to, to talk about the grass and to hopefully answer some questions that to some people may be obvious, but to some people st- starting out or to new homeowners or, or anything, I think what everyone will tell you in this industry, and let me be very clear too, there's a lot of people that are doing you know, information and putting out content, and I, I don't want to step on anyone's turf. <laughs> I mean that literally and figuratively. Uh, I feel as though I can contribute with my ability to manage my work life and my family life. Some people have a, a, a large set of time and money available to them. Whereas, you know, I'm, I'm really limited in my time and I do, I squeeze time in where I can because I have to, and I am passionate about it. So I will make that time, but I know that there's a lot of us that struggle with that. So bear that in mind, you know, I'm not trying to be the expert here. This is more just about me being able to get my information out to the people that are, have been, have asked for my coaching and are looking for, for some of my guidance moving forward. And I do have a lot of mentors here in this industry that, um, don't even know that they're my mentors because of the world of the internet. It's such a great place that you can put content out and you can really learn and absorb and feel like you're part of, of something, which is a really cool thing, especially right now where people aren't able to congregate. And let's be honest, nobody really wants to talk about grass for 45 minutes at your family party. So this is a good opportunity for people to tune in and tune out whenever they want to. And I just want to say thank you to you uh, for, for whoever's listened and whoever's downloaded. If you feel like you know anyone that might benefit 
from a weekly grass talk, by all means, shoot them at Grass Station Pod on Twitter or at Grass Station Pod on Facebook. Yeah, that's kind of my administrative piece here. You know, if you if you like what you're hearing, please spread the word. I would love to have you guys like it, subscribe, post your pictures up on Facebook, and let me know what you guys are doing. And of course, let us know uh, if there's anything you want to he- have covered here at the Grass Station. So that first that first piece, right, is the pre-emergence. It's a really hot topic right now, and it's and it's a hot topic because right now people are preparing to put their pre-emergence down. Some people already have. A lot of people already have. If you're further south, what is a pre-emergent? Well, it's it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a it's an herbicide that we put down in order to prevent certain things from emerging through our soil. It's not something that is going to stop seeds from germinating of course they'll do that still but it's going to reach the point in the soil where it meets this barrier that we've put down whether with a granular or a liquid application depending on your preference and it will hit this material and it'll essentially then just stop growing of course then later die but it's it's not something there's a i think there's a misconception that these kill on site, they kill the seeds or they don't allow the seeds to start. Well, they do. They allow the seed to germinate. And what happens is it'll germinate under the soil and it'll grow several inches and then it'll hit this barrier and it'll stop growing and it won't get the sunlight that it needs and it will die. The main weed that we are using a pre-emergent for is crabgrass. And crabgrass is a monster. We don't like crabgrass. It looks terrible. Everyone's seen crabgrass. The funny thing is that us Midwesterners up here in the North, especially, you know, we, we call everything crabgrass because we don't really know what like different grassy weeds are. So we just pretty much call everything crabgrass, but it's, it's actually a very specific plant that we're trying to prevent. It's one of, you know, hundreds of different types of grassy weeds that you can prevent, but, um, up here we just call it all crabgrass. So there's, there's a little bit of a misconception there. And I think that's important to note only because a lot of people will jump on and say, you know, hey, I put down my pre-emergent and I've still got this crabgrass growing. I don't understand. And and nine times out of 10, it'll be something not crabgrass. It'll be like orchard grass or Dallas grass, or maybe you've got some like quack grass. You know, there's a couple different things in there. Maybe it's poa trivialis. You're not sure what it might be, but it doesn't look like what your grass is, you know, your normal grass that you're comfortable looking at and you just call it crabgrass right so that's important for us to know because we want to have the proper expectation for what we're putting down in the yard this is a crabgrass prevention primarily unless it's used at certain times of the season to then prevent certain other types of things growing but the idea here is that it's going to prevent those seeds from penetrating the soil surface and we do this here in the early spring because crabgrass has a life cycle of a fierce early season growth, right? We're going to start fiercely growing once we're at like soil temperatures around 60 degrees. And once you get these 60 degree soil temperatures, then the crabgrass seeds will really start to germinate and flourish. So they don't really start to germinate until the soil temperatures are consistently And by consistently, I mean overnight and during the day and just throughout, you know, weather changes, consistently 50 degrees or more. That's kind of the rule of thumb. 
So the idea here is we want to get our pre-emergent down when the soil temperatures are approaching 50 degrees. And it's soil temperatures, not outside temperatures. We're talking about soil temperatures right now. And that's important because your soil temperatures will not fluctuate as heavily as your outside temperatures. You may have a couple days in the early spring that it's beautiful, like we did here. And I'm, you know, Chicagoland area, I'm out in Elgin. And we had a beautiful, like, mid-March. And then we had a cold couple of days. And, you know, coming up here in April, I think we're already supposed to get, like, a small flurry. So, I, I don't know. You, you can't rule out snow. You can't rule out those cold days. But overall your ground temperatures are going to slowly start to increase as you have some of these nicer days. And it'll look like it fluctuates more than it does. But there, So here's, here's my suggestion. And this, this really gets down to where you're at on your level of um, participation, if you will, um, where you're at with your strategy, how much time you're, you're allocating. And this is why it's so important to kind of put yourself on the map for what you're going to be doing and set yourself up for success. So... If you're somebody that's like me, that you're really nerdy with soils and you want to understand exactly when to throw it down, the perfect time, you can get your window, there's a couple tools that you can use. The first tool, I would say, is get your, your like meat thermometer and go outside. Start poking at the soil and see what those temperatures are. Check the temperature close to the street. Check the temperature close to your house. Check the temperature where you get a lot of sun during the day and then check the temperature where it's, you know, shadowed. Take the average, you know, of all your soils, temperatures, and do that at one specific time during the day, right? So I'm, I'm talking real nerdy here if you want to do this. You can then do that same thing in the evening or in overnight when it's cold to get then the daily average of what you're at, you know, because you want to make sure that your averages are over 50 degrees consistently for five to 10 days. So you can do that. You can totally get out there and it's, it's not hard. You know, you just poke the soil with your thermometer. It's, it's really that simple. And you re- sit there for a minute and you wait to read, the, to read the temperature. And once you do that, you take note of it and you can then kind of gauge your, your strategy on that. The other tool, if you don't want to go out there and do that, that's totally fine. I know there's a ton of people that won't do that. <laughs> I don't even expect you to do that, really. I do that because... I like to, and I like to be in my grass. I like to be in my soil. I like to feel like I'm part of my land because I own it. I love it, and it's where my children are. It's where my family is, and I want to take care of it. It's my job to take care of this piece of property. So the other option, which I think is a really good option, is to use a tool by Sagenta. They make a greencast tool. I think I can't remember what it is, but if you go into Google and you search Sagenta greencast tool, um, it'll come up with a, a little uh, you know a website to plug in your information at your specific address and then you can find out historical soil temperatures in your area you can go all the way back to like i think it's like 20 years or 15 years back and you can look at soil temperatures and see where they're at over the course of the years and you can take multiple year averages now if you have a lawn journal which i heavily recommend that you do um, you can take note of these different temperatures and and kind of keep your own strategy. That's what I do. I I have my journal. I have my um, temperatures that I personally keep, but I can go back and look historically on this site. And why is that important? Why do we don't look back five years? Why can't I just stick it in the ground? It says 48 
let's roll. It's time to go, baby. But no, it's, it's not quite yet, you know, because here's here's my, my take on pre-emergence and the timing. I'm getting a little off on like my, my you know, objective here. And it's, we are homeowners. We have one lawn, maybe two, you know, maybe you're working with your neighbor, maybe you're working with a couple of their lawns, but we primarily have a lawn to tend. So we can be perfect. We can get it exactly right. But if you're True Green, if you're another major lawn service, you have a window. That's what this is. There's a window for application, and it's appropriate. Right now, what are we? It's uh, March 26th. If you wanted to, by all means, throw it down. You'd be fine. But there's reasons why you don't want to early apply, and there's reasons why you don't want to apply late. So if you can find that sweet spot right in the middle, right once it starts to hit 50 degrees consecutively on average for 5 to 10 days during the day and overnight, that's your sweet spot. And I'll tell you why. Because what happens when you apply pre-emergent early? Well, pre-emergent works by being absorbed into the soil and then creating a barrier to prevent actively growing crabgrass or actively growing seeds. So why is that beneficial to know? First of all, it's important because the ground needs to be able to receive nutrient, right? That's that's number one. We need the ground to be able to absorb this material. If we throw down way too early and the ground is too hard and moisture is not able to be absorbed yet, then we're in a big problem because all of that product or most of that product has the has the risk of being washed away say we have a big rain and you know it just is sitting at the top but it's not able to be absorbed there's no moisture in the ground the ground is frozen it's all going to wash away and what happens then first of all it hurts the environment that's one of the things that's very detrimental to our community, right? When homeowners do the wrong thing and that then ultimately hurts the environment, that's that's such an easy way for legislation to be changed and say, nope, sorry, you know, like we'll remove X and X pro- XYZ products from the, from the market and that can only be applied by professionals or whatever the case. I don't want that to happen, right? So um, obviously that, that shouldn't happen. Hopefully it won't happen. But if we're not gaining the knowledge, if people aren't teaching people how to use these products appropriately, then we run the risk of not being able to do it anymore. We run the risk of hurting the environment. And really the bottom line here is that you're running the risk of losing money because if you're throwing product that's doing nothing, then if it's getting washed away, it's definitely not going in your soil. So that's a waste of money. And if it's not actively preventing weeds, then it's also not doing its job, right? So if it's early March and your ground temperatures aren't warm enough for anything to actually be growing and maybe it takes a month for it to be of the right temperature to start growing then you just had a whole month of coverage that you paid for that you didn't need (laughs) you know what i mean so if if the product lasts you three months from when you throw it down i mean it's three months from when you throw it down you know but if nothing's growing when you throw it down then it's a waste So now that we know when to be throwing this product down, the other thing, like I talked about earlier, was being able to get out and and 
manually check your soil temperatures with with a meat thermometer. What most of my listeners will probably be doing is looking for identifiers. And I, I try to make things easy for people just so that they can get these steps right. It's really important that we get these steps right. It's also important to give people that aren't super savvy and also don't want to spend a significant amount of time like I do out in the yard, then giving them an option so that they succeed. And the, the best option that I have, I have two of them. First one would be to just look for the forsythia right? This is a, a, a wonderful plant that a small shrub that will bloom bright yellow in the early spring when the, the soil temperatures are optimal. And it, it lets us know that it's go time. And I haven't seen any forsythia starting to bloom in my area yet. So I know it's still too early. And that's a great way for you to not have to spend a significant amount of time doing any kind of soil testing or doing any kind of uh, probing to, to take manual uh, soil temperatures. You don't have to go online. You don't have to do any averages. You'll know exactly the right time to start throwing down your pre-emergent based on when the forsythia start to bloom. That's like the easiest way to do it. The other way, if you want to be a little bit nerdy, but you don't want to dive as deep as to go into looking at, you know, multiple year averages, you can download an app that I highly recommend, which is the Yard Mastery app. And this is a great app that they put together, it's got a fertilizer calculator, it's got, you know, a shop and a different program that you can you can use. I've definitely used this program in the past, and I, I still use primarily all the products that they use in there. They've got a liquid program, they've got a fertilizer program, I've got multiple different um, products that I've already got in the garage stored for, for use this season. And really, it's a great place to get products, especially if you're a little bit more savvy and you want stuff that's higher quality than you can get at Home Depot. Places like that, like DIY.com or DoYourOwn.com or GCI Turf as a shop and Yard Mastery, they're great spots to be able to find some of these pre-emergents, these standalone pre-emergents that don't have nitrogen fertilizer or anything else in them to, to allow you to be more flexible. It's a great app. And what I'm getting at here is um, you can be a little bit more in touch because it's going to give you live soil temperatures to the day. And you'll be able to look at your exact property versus um, like your zip code or whatnot. You can go right down to your property and you can see what it is right now today. And like I said, too, that's a little bit misleading sometimes because if you have a really warm day, you're going to have a higher soil temperature. So just think about averages, right? If you're in that 45 to 48 range, you know, you're you're right there. You're super close. Um, and I would definitely start to consider what products you're going to be thinking about getting. Right now is what when you should be thinking about it. And if you're going to go to a big box store, you can look for different things that will help you determine the the product that you want to put down. So this is actually where it comes into your strategy and what works the best for you. So. If you, again, don't want to go online and purchase products, that, that's fine. There's different challenges that you're going to run into, though. So if you're, going to do, if you're going to do a weed and feed, which what I mean by that is you're going to have a product, most of these products you'll find at, at Home Depot, Lowe's, Menards, it's going to have a nitrogen source in there. You know, like I talked about last week with your, that first number on your analysis of the bag, it'll have a, a nitrogen amount, which then limits you and how much of this product you can put down. So it, it's not giving you the same flexibility that you would have if you were going to put down just a pre-emergent herbicide and treat this not as a, as a feeding session, but this is a standalone 
pre-emergent application for just just for crabgrass. So I do that because it gives me way more flexibility as to when I can put down my fertilizer, how much fertilizer I can put down, and it gives me that separation so I can also then determine how much pre-emergent I want to put down, why, and when. So that first application is what we're thinking about. But think, there's also going to be a future application. So when you're when you're thinking about what you're going to purchase, is it going to be in a store? Is it going to be online? Uh, think about how much you need and how long it's going to last you. One thing you'll notice about purchasing products, usually for in the lawn care DIY world, is that you'll often be offered larger products, larger sums of products to help save money. You know, if you're going to be applying acreage worth of product, that's where you start to save the money. You can get like a gallon of herbicide for, you know, like just a straight herbicide, like one active ingredient for a lot less money than you can get, you know, for like a a 12 or 16 ounce bottle at Home Depot. And I say less money because it's less money per application, not less physical dollars. So I'm right, you're going to spend hundred dollars on a tub of triclopyr. My point is that your price per application is significantly reduced when you buy in bulk. And what is what, what am I getting at here? The point is there's going to be different ways to apply this product. If you're brand new and you've got, you know, a Scott spreader, then I'm going to recommend to you that you get a granular product because trying to work out a sprayer is probably not in your situation right now. Um, You probably don't have a battery-powered one yet. And again, another thing that we can talk about, we can talk about equipment, but there's things that you're going to want to have, and that's going to be in one of my next episodes. Probably the the next one coming up is prepping our equipment and getting specific things set up so that we're ready to go for the season. But right now what I'm, I'm trying to focus on is that there are granular, there are liquid, and there are products that are with nitrogen. There's products without nitrogen. And what you're typically going to find at your big box stores are products with nitrogen, which are limiting. It's, it's still a great option, but you just have to consider that you have less flexibility with when you put your products down and how you're going to apply that to your strategy long term. Now, this is a wonderful opportunity if you're somebody that is limited in time and you don't want to have to make a separate fertilizer application. There are products out there that are great for this. And Again, if you're the type that's going to be getting it from a big box store, that's totally fine. You're going to be looking for a product that has, there's there's two active ingredients that are, are somewhat industry standard, and they are called prodiamine and dithiapyr. If you see either of these things in a store, I would highly recommend getting them. There's one, at Lowe's the other day, I actually saw a an 007 prodiamine product and i was shocked because that's that's basically a standalone pre-emergent um we have you know that seven in there for potassium but really if you're not putting any nitrogen in there that's just to help with the stress in the in the environment in the soil so and it's also to help granulize the the pre-emergent if you don't have something in there with it then you know it's very difficult to to kind of pelletize it so that's kind of the reason that they they make that and that's a lesco product and that hadn't i hadn't seen something like that in stores in the last ever i had never seen a standalone pre-emergent product until this year and that's cool that's really cool because our community is making that change our community is saying we want to have we want to have a standalone pre-emergent product that does not have nitrogen in it 
we want to have flexibility. We don't want the, the big stores like Scott's telling us how we need to apply our products. We want to have options. And that's cool. Because last year, two years ago, several years going back, it's very difficult for the homeowner to find a standalone product. It's available out there now. And if you look hard enough, you'll, you'll be able to find it. Especially, like I said, the Lesco product over at Lowe's they had here. Now, if you have a store like Site One out over by you, that's a great place to go to. Or anywhere, really, that there's somebody that might be knowledgeable on some of these standalone products. Because they can gear you, too, when you're in the store. A Site One should have you know everything that you can think of that's usually designed for landscapers so you can purchase there as a as a homeowner i've been in there multiple times but it's uh it is geared for for the the professional landscapers that's kind of the my whole piece on pre-emergence because it's really important that we get the timing right if you're more advanced then I, I'd highly recommend going online, going to Yard Mastery or going to GCI Turf, going to one of these major sites that, that you can get things online and and then determine what type of product you're looking for. So when you go, but if so that's for your more advanced people. If you're not, there's other products that you can be looking at in stores as well. If you're going to get a Scott's product, it's likely going to have the active ingredient pendimethalin. Um and I'm, I'm only highlighting this because it, it's a bigger discussion about active ingredients and reading your labels and flexibility, right? That's, that's somewhat what I'm getting at here is that when you know what active ingredients you have in each product, you can then look at their percentages and see whether or not you're saving money or losing money. <laughs> and if, if you notice that a product has very little active ingredient or it's going to take you multiple bags of something, uh, maybe you can find that somewhere else in a higher potency. That's going to actually give you what you need at a better at a better rate. Uh, maybe you can find a non-generic brand. So let's say, say you can look and just get like a straight prodiamine. That might save you money versus getting that barricade brand that's, you know, uh, being sold at your local stores. Be cognizant of these active ingredients and and do your best to try and and learn what they do because when you know what active ingredients do to your soil you'll be more careful applying them you'll be more accurate applying them and i really believe that you're going to to respect the product because you understand the product that's really one of my biggest pet peeves about like the lawn care services that, that send out texts that have no idea what they're doing. They just look at the list and they say, okay, this property needs this product because it's on my list. You know, to me, that's a disservice. And, um, you know, I, I kind of talked about that one in the last one. And it's, uh, you know, something that I think that if you know the, the why behind the how, then, then you are able to, to apply these products better and you're able to, to, to learn what to look for if things aren't going right. And you can, you can fix that. If you realize that something's not working right, well, maybe that area is not getting the right amount of water. Maybe that area is not getting the right amount of sunlight because you know it's getting the right nutrient or you know that it's getting hit with an herbicide or whatever the case. Be aware of your land. And so now that you're aware of what's happening, I'm going to segue into a totally different talk, talking point. I think I've wrapped around this idea of a pre-emergent pretty well. 
long story of it is basically we want to get it down before it's it turns 50 degrees we want to make sure that we get it in a if you can get it in a standalone product so that we can apply it multiple times uh, without affecting our nitrogen applications uh, get it in a form that's comfortable comfortable for you if you need to get it as a granular get it as a granular if you need to get it as a liquid by all means it's available so i will be speaking about pre-emergence over the next several weeks as we approach. I'm going to be talking about where my soil temperatures are. I'm going to be talking about where uh, other people might be at. And I'm very close to being able to throw it on. I'm probably going to throw it on next week, early next week, or, or mid next week. I was just looking over at the the app on the Sagenta site, and it looks like historically the soil temperatures are approaching 50 right around the mid, mid-April. So if I can get, you know, that first week of April, then, then we're... We're, like I said, we're already in the zone. I just want to hit the sweet spot. So that's what pre-emergence are. That's what they do. That's how we apply them. That's uh, pretty much all the, the, you know, the main talking points behind those, those different products. The one thing I didn't touch base on, and the reason I didn't, is because it's something that I really, it's, it's almost like my secret weapon, right? This is, this is one of the things that I try not to tell people because I really love it for my specific lawn. Uh, but now that I do this, I guess I have to let the cat out of the box and let people know that So there's this Scott starter vert, and I love this stuff. And it kind of goes against everything that I just said, but I love it for very specific reasons. This Scott Starter Spurt has, um, it has mesotrione. And some people may know what that is by another name. They know it, maybe know it as tenacity. But I really like this product for very specific reasons. And I really like it right now, this season, because Scott's decided to change their marketing on the bag. And all of their old bags are like, 65 70% off. It's awesome. I went to Lowe's the other day when I saw that product, the uh when I saw the Prodiamine standalone product, I also was able to find the Scott's starter fert. It's in a bright blue bag and this is only happening to my knowledge at Lowe's. I there was a huge pallet of this. And normally these bags cost about 40 bucks, but I was able to score 5 bags for 7.99 each. It, it's awesome. And now I don't typically use them here in the spring. I typically use these bags in the fall time when I'm doing a seeding. And why is that? You're thinking that we're talking about pre-emergence. Why are you dropping in seeding? Because I like to keep things exciting and I like to confuse as much as I like to teach. So the other, the only active ingredient that allows you to seed while you put down a pre-emergent is mesotrione. Now it's a it's a really great niche product because it allows you to throw your seed down and it will not affect the germination of your seed. Sometimes what'll happen is those seed seedlings will turn like whitish red and then eventually they'll grow through that because they know that they can grow through the pre-emergent um, and they'll grow into healthy turf. That's, a, that's an often question that we get when people are seeding with tenacity. Um, but this specific product allows you to do that. It's really cool and gosh, for a buy one, get five free, I, I couldn't pass it up. Uh, so I did get several bags of that, and that changed my strategy a little bit this season because I have it. And anybody that's planning on doing a spring seeding should utilize this strategy. So you're going to be able to get 
about six weeks, four to six weeks of pre-emergent control. And the mesotrione actually helps prevent all sorts of other things too. It's not just a crabgrass pre-emergent. People look at this as like it's this glorified herbicide. It, it really does have some very great uses, but it's expensive and like usually it's expensive and it's limiting based on what it can do. If you have like a stronger base herbicide, like a speed zone or something else that's got a couple other active ingredients, that may target your weeds quicker, right? But the mesotrione is something that's going to target a lot of very specific weeds. That's kind of a separate issue. I'm not even really going to go too deeply into herbicides and different weed identifications right now because that's a whole separate episode. But just know that this one product, this mesotrione, allows you to throw grass seed down and it not be affected by pre-emergent. Because if you're going to throw grass seed down here in the spring, you do not want to have a conventional pre-emergent. You just don't. It's not going to work. Why? Because we just talked about it. It's not allowing those seeds to germinate through the soil barrier. So if you decide that you're going to throw down pre-emergent and then a week later put down seed, it's just not going to work. You know, that's a waste of money, big time on that grass seed. So don't do that. If you're going to throw down seed, and, and I'm going to briefly touch again later on the, the pros and the cons to doing a spring seeding, but if you're going to, this is a great route because it's going to allow you to put seed down and apply a pre-emergent at the same time. Now, mind you, it's only going to last about six weeks. Where prodiamine and dithiapyr, those are going to last you about three months, you know? So if you put down enough product of the prodiamine or the dithiapyr, you're going to get a much longer return on your investment. So I only, only, only really recommend that as like a, as a when you're seeding type deal. And it's great for the fall when I choose to do my seeding project. So if you can score some bags of the Scott Starter Fruit, I've already got my allotment for the year. So I guess I don't have to worry. Cat's out of the bag. Go get it. Try to find it. It's a great thing to have in your back pocket. It's great to have in the garage for when you choose to do your seedings. So that's one of my tips. One of the things to look out for right now, if you're able to find it at the Lowe's, and the guy at Lowe's didn't even know. I had to go up to him and I was like, hey, uh, can you double check that this is on sale? He's like, oh, no, no. I just got a pallet of those. Those aren't on sale. Um, those are like $42.99. I was like, can you just double check? Like, put it in your scanner. I want to see because, you know, I had this rumor that these guys are on sale. And he did. And he was shocked. $79.99 bag. So double check. Don't just take their word for it. If you see this. It's a it's an like like a sky light blue bag. It says Scott Starter for and then you look at it, it says with Mesotrion. It's a great product to have in your back pocket. One other tip that I'm gonna talk about briefly today is being able to recognize your specific situation in relation to those around you. This is very important, and I find myself doing this all the time. And I don't just do it right now. I've done it my whole life. I've done it in other realms of my life, not just in the grass. But you, you have to try and focus your energy on what you can control. It's really important. There's so many things in life that we have absolutely no control over. And when you realize you have no control over, you can, in a way, give that part of you up and just say, that's just beyond my control. You know, you can only do what you can do. And that, that's very true here in the lawn care community. There's going to be things that you do to your lawn that 
no matter what, whether how it, it doesn't matter how much money you spend, how much time you spend, how much effort, things aren't always going to go your way. It, it's life, right? This happened to me last year. I put pre-emergent down and then I got a big snowstorm last year. I did like April 6th. That was, that was pretty early last year. And what happened? We got, we got a big old snowstorm, you know, but that's okay. You know, I knew I was within the window. Ground temperatures were okay. It's not, it's, it's not the end of the world. It was like slow release water, right? It, wor- it worked out for me. Um, things will not always go your way, 100%. Also, to that effect, things are not always going to be better than, let's say, our neighbors, right? If you're able to get out, which I recommended in the last show, is to get out and look at your neighbors. Look at your neighbor's yards. And When you're out riding your bikes this weekend, when you're out doing fun things, of course, not while you're driving, but if your spouse is driving or your friend or your family is driving, but poke your head out and just see what's going on in the lawns outside. See what they're experiencing, especially in your immediate neighborhood. And sometimes you'll notice some people have fantastic looking yards. Sometimes people have terrible looking yards. What's important here is I'm, I'm trying to have people highlight what's happening and not so much longing for their lawn. <laughs> This happens to me where, especially like when I moved in to my previous property back in Wheaton, I had neighbors, both of them had lawn care services and both of their lawns were pretty immaculate. They were beautiful. They had, you know, luscious green lawns. And what did I have? I had a salad bar. It was terrible for years, for over a year. It was terrible. And that hurt me almost inside. I I almost got personally offended because I was out there more than they were. I was trying to learn. I was doing everything that I could. Crabgrass kept coming back, even though I was applying what I thought to be a good pre-emergent, but it was a weed and feed product. I was using it improperly. And on top of that, you know, I spent a ton of money and I I just wasn't guided properly to be able to understand when my payoff was going to hit. And then someday when things just started to align after I had done a seeding, after I had done an aeration, after I had applied these horticultural practices of regular mowing, regular watering, it clicked and it changed forever. All of a sudden, I had a line between my property and my next door neighbor's property where mine was a little bit greener. I remember I took a picture of it. It was my first domination line, right? I was like mind blown. It was fantastic. It was a wonderful feeling. And it was only because of all of those regular things that I had done day in, day out to make sure that I was taking care of the property with my goal and my vision for my place, not thinking about how it was being affected by my neighbors. My objective was not to, to dominate, right? It was simply to do the best that I could for my property. And that was just a result. The idea here is that you do what you, you, you do take pride in what you do and you want to make sure you're doing things right. By doing things right, by feeding the soil, by giving it what it needs to, to boost the micronutrient level, to boost the microbial level in your soil, those are all things that you don't necessarily see immediate effects from, but that you're going to see benefit year after year after year. Say you have a, a long care program for two, three years. Well, that's where you're going to start to see that growth. My neighbors had been using True Green and they were not using any kind of organic fertilizer. So I knew that, yeah, maybe that was like maybe the first couple of years that they were using the program and they saw great results from it. But then it started to taper off. And then my due diligence of adding organic fertilizers and organics to my lawn 
ultimately paid out because that was feeding the soil, whereas my neighbor's properties were not. And that's ultimately what had happened. It wasn't that I was so much better. It was that their multiple year programs weren't in place to keep up. So keep that in mind. You know, there's my wife does this sometimes. She'll be like, well, you know, they don't water their lawn. It looks pretty good. Yeah. You know, they don't, <laughs> they, they, they don't. And that, that's, that's a hard thing for us lawn care, you know, nuts to be thinking about is, you know, we do all this stuff. We put all this product down, we put all this time and effort and money into it. And then a big, you know, thunderstorm comes and ultimately everyone gets free nitrogen after a thunderstorm because of the way that nitrogen is being passed through, uh, through the rain. Kind of a side story here, if you're interested, the nitrogen, when you're having a thunderstorm, I'm not exactly certain of the science here, but it's feeding your lawn nitrogen because there's nitrogen in the air. Most of our breathable air is, is nitrogen, but it's not able to be absorbed by the plant. So when you have lightning, it's creating the electrical effect, the, the process for the rain to then be fused with the nitrogen particles and will ultimately go down into your soil and will, and will be absorbable by the lawn, which wouldn't normally be the case. If it's just rain, it's not going to happen. But if you've got lightning, then ultimately that's going to be, even if you have lightning cloud to cloud, that's creating the charge inside those clouds to then provide you with that nitrogen. So you'll always notice after a nice, heavy, thick rain of uh, you know, some of uh, the thunderstorm, the neighbor that never fertilizes, y'all, all of a sudden has got a green lawn. Well, hey, why don't you just wait around for a thunderstorm? Because I'm not just doing it for a green up today or tomorrow. I'm doing it to preserve the integrity of the soil. I'm doing it to make sure that my long-term goals are being met. And I'm doing it to make sure that everything that I do in my power within my control is done properly, you know, because I know that that's how I can remain accountable to myself and to my program. And so that's important. Don't compare yourself to someone else, especially if someone else is on a program or if someone else is, everyone else is going to be in a different stage. Maybe someone else's property is 15 years older than yours and they've had 15 years of grass growth. Well, yeah, they're going to have probably over a foot of roots, right? So those summers, it's not going to be as stressful as mine, where it's on its one-year anniversary, so I need to water it more. Um, Everyone's in a different situation. Don't compare yourself to anyone else. Do your best to stay in your lane. Focus on your property. Focus on what you can be doing today and every day to make your stuff that much better. (laughs) So with that, I'm going to let you guys off and think about some of these things as you're starting to strategize for the season. Are you going to be somebody that's going to be spending more time, more effort in the lawn? Think about your strategy. Think about your goals. I'm really excited to be back out in the lawn, but take care, stay safe, everyone. We'll talk next time.